I get it started You are now tuned in to my parents' office yeah, With Brett Castle and Andrew Diaz New new dropping, yeah, you know where I'll be at Believe that, New England flow in your speakers Tryna run game, lace heat like sneakers In a flashlight, lightning bugs I pop up at your spot and I'm lighting up, yeah JR on a mic and I'm next to blow No commercials, I turn it to an episode Better get down to business, begin the show So let me get going, welcome to MPO What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the My Parents Office podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Diaz. Today we have episode 133 brought to you by the Student Union Sports Network. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media at My Parents Office on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube, My Parents Office podcast on Facebook, articles from the office on Substack. Uh, today I'm going to fly solo for this show. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of NFL talk. I'm going to do a mock draft live on the show uh, for you guys. Something a little different. Usually I have my mock draft planned out. Um, I'm going to go to, I think it's Mock Out or Mock mock Draft Simulator, one of those websites. And I'm going to go through my personal mock draft of what I, how I think this year's draft is going to pan out. I'm going to go over my top 10 movies um, that I I recently finished up the countdown on um, and kind of what I'm going to segue into after that. so, yeah, I want to jump right into this mock draft. Um, you know, this is my all-time favorite time of the year. I've brought it up numerous, a numerous amount of times how much I enjoy uh, the, the draft season. And um, along with free agency, I think it's the best time of the year. It's the most exciting time of the year. There's always something happening. I mean, this year we saw one of the wildest off-seasons to, to really ever occur. You watch all pro receivers like Tyreek Hill, um, Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams. They all found new homes. Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, established quarterbacks. They're in new cities for next year. Maybe not Deshaun Watson, but uh, we're, we're waiting to see what happens with Commissioner Goodell on that. Um, so it, it, this offseason is already about as wild as it can get. Now you throw in a, a pretty stacked draft class that I think is um, offensive line top heavy, a um, lot of great receivers. Uh, quarterback's a tough position to judge in this year's draft class because it's you could see four guys go in the first round. You could see one guy go or maybe even no guys go in the first round. I'd be surprised if it happened, but, I mean, there's a, a real possibility that that is something that occurs. Um, you know, I, I've continuously tried to make new uh, a couple mock drafts. But every time I put one together and I start writing about it, another trade comes in. Like the, the Eagle Saints one was the most recent. Um, so, or the, the Browns Texans one um, for Watson. So, I mean, a wrench has kind of always been thrown in this. And by the time you guys hear this, there could be another trade that just absolutely blows up and all my picks get mangled once again. But uh, starting off, number one, Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick. Um, they really they have a lot of needs uh, this offseason, and they addressed a, a good amount of them. Linebacker, they set, signed uh, Foyaseta Lucan from uh, the Falcons, um, brought in Christian Kirk, a receiver on a very large contract, one that I would probably not have given him. Um, I think it's four years, $84 million. And they brought in Brandon Sheriff, uh, one of the top run-blocking guards and a guy that allowed no sacks last year in Washington uh, to play right or left guard. Um, and I, I really think a lot of people may think that because you brought in Sheriff and your franchise tag Cam Robinson, you don't need to address offensive line. But Evan Neal, in my opinion, is the best player in this year's draft. 
So I, I think if you want to have, if you want Trevor Lawrence to have a long and prosperous career, you build around him. You build that shell around him for the next few years uh, with uh, Sheriff, with uh, Cam Robinson, with Evan Neal. And then maybe even in later rounds, you look to get a, a center like an Alec Lindstrom or uh, another guard, maybe like a Kenyon Green at the top of the second round, if he's still available. You really look to bolster that because receiver, you're all right. Tight end, you just brought Evan Ingram in. You are fine when it comes to weapons. Now it's like, where else do you go? And yet Travis Etienne coming back, have not seen him play an NFL snap. So you that could be a nice little uh, bullet in the chamber that you use and people don't really game plan for. Uh, but yeah, Evan Neal, in my opinion, the best player in this year's draft. Um, I, I would say my top three in this year's draft have to be Evan Neal, number one, Kyle Hamilton, even though he's dropping on a lot of boards because of a slow 40 time, I still think is the number two player. I mean, if you watched him at all at Notre Dame this year, Absolute stud, freak, athlete. The guy was all over the field. I think the Florida State game was the biggest example. He pretty much tracked from one hash to the opposite sideline to pick off a ball in crunch time against a a, a pretty scrappy Florida State team. So uh, I'd put him at number two and then Ikim Ekwono or uh, Aiden Hutchison as my number three. Both guys super talented. And speaking of Aiden Hutchison, Detroit is on the clock. They need a quarterback, but at number two, unless they trade out of this pick, I think Aiden Hutchinson is the, the top option here. It's a guy you really have to go with just because he I, I think he fits the the dynamic that Dan Campbell's trying to build of these tough, uh, kind of badass players. And they really started that with the offensive line with Penai Swell, Taylor Decker, uh, and Frank Ragno. These guys are no nonsense. They're going to maul you. They're going to get in your face, and they're not taking any shit. And I love that about this Detroit team, even though I'm a Vikings fan. This Detroit team is hard to root against. So I'm going to go I, – I think Hutchison fits the bill. And they also have a draft pick. I think they have the 32nd pick in this year's draft as well. So, I mean, keep an eye out for them taking a quarterback on the back end. We'll see who's available. Because right now I'm doing I'm, – like I said, I'm doing this uh, kind of fly by the seat of my pants. I'm uh, just going along and drafting in real time. But uh, Hutchison – Quick, physical, you know, will be a good player to work against guys like David Bakhtiari, Charles Leno, Brian O'Neill in that NFC North, the black and blue division. Number three, as much as it pains me to do this, a lot of uh, I've been following Matt Miller. He's been saying Kevante, but I was dropping on a lot of boards. Um, and Trayvon Walker has been rising on a lot of boards. And this is what I do hate about the draft a little bit is – in this time, people overthink a little too much. And I think that's what's coming in with Thibodeau and Kyle Hamilton, where it's like they, they're looking at their numbers too much and not enough at them actually playing the game of football. And it buries their draft stock. And then a team sitting around 12 or 13 gets a stud player that should have been a number two or three pick. And they immediately regret it. And this guy balls out. But, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to – the Texans really need an edge rusher. They need a cornerback as well, um, need a safety. Hamilton's still on the board, but I think they go edge. They succumb to the pressure, and they take Georgia edge rusher uh, Trayvon Walker. Um, and, you know, this isn't me bashing Walker. Um, this is more I think that – I think that – 
Thibodeau's a better player. I think Jermaine Johnson's probably a better player. Um, and I would even say, like, there's some other guys that are maybe around the same. George Carl Aftis is around the same talent as a guy like Trayvon Walker. But a lot of people like him. It's, it's what I've been reading. I could be completely wrong about this. And, you know, like I said, people could be overthinking or scouts could be blowing smoke. But, uh, yeah, so Walker goes there. The Texans also have the 13th overall pick. So I think they'll address some DB uh, issues there or maybe even go weapon if somebody's available. Number four uh, the, is the New York Jets. Really did do a good job in free agency. They didn't make any massive signings. Their big one was offensive guard Lakin Tomlinson from the San Francisco 49ers three-year $40 million contract. That's great. There's a lot more great offensive linemen on the board still. If Makai back then comes back healthy and plays left tackle, Tomlinson plays left or right guard, and then you have Ikim Ekwonu playing right tackle or one of the guard positions, Zach Wilson's going to have all the time in the world to throw the ball in a division that doesn't have a lot of elite pass rushers. Granted, Buffalo just landed Von Miller. They brought Shaq Lawson back. But, I mean, if you get Ekwonu and Makai Becton both healthy, both as your bookend tackles, uh, Zach Wilson's going to be standing upright for a while and delivering the ball to his number one receiver, Braxton Berrios, which is uh, weird to say. Uh, number five, you've got the uh, New York football giants. Um, a couple of their needs, they need a safety. They need edge rushers. They need offensive tackles. They need interior alignment. A lot of needs for this team, and they're in a good position where they could either trade out and collect collateral, where they've got the fifth and seventh overall pick. Um, but I'm not putting any trades into this because there's been so many wild trades. I don't want to add more to the mix. And I also don't see what, where else trades could happen. Um, so at number five, uh, I think we see another offensive tackle come off the board, and it's uh, Mississippi State's Charles Cross. Uh, Cross is a big uh, and athletic player that can play pretty much any position on the O-line, I think, other than center. Um, I think at Mississippi State, he started – oh, no, I'm thinking of Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green started multiple positions. Um, the maroon jerseys mix me up. But, uh, I mean, still, Cross is a very versatile player, can play guard, can play some tackle. Uh, he'll primarily be used as a tackle. And this pick does hurt me a little bit because I think that the Giants' young tackles were coming on a little bit, like Matt Pert, Andrew Thomas. Granted, I mean, they were rusty, and you wasted a number four pick on Thomas when he didn't perform. Pert was a good value. I think they got him in the third or fourth round. Long arms, very uh, athletic player, just big, massive a man. But they need somebody to succeed right away. And this could be another Andrew Thomas situation where Cross doesn't pan out. Or this could be a very, very good pickup for the the Giants. And he'll protect Daniel Jones. And uh, it looks like Saquon Barkley's staying put in New York as of right now, uh, unless a trade occurs, which I could see him getting traded before training camp or even during training camp. So definitely keep an eye on that. Um, but yeah, Charles Cross at five. Interesting pick here. Uh, interesting uh, setup for this number six team is the Carolina Panthers. If Charles Cross doesn't get picked at six, I think they take Cross. But they need a quarterback very badly. Sam Darnold's not going to cut it in a very good division, a, a physical division, one that's Got a lot of good defensive backs in it and teams that put up a lot of points as well. Um, so it cross off the board and it would really be a reach to go with any other offensive lineman. 
I think they find the face of the franchise. Malik Willis, Liberty quarterback that's been rising on a lot of draft boards. Got a cannon of an arm, very dynamic, good scrambler, really smart out of the pocket, just an, an awesome all-around player that I, I, I really, really like. And seeing him at the combine as pro day, numbers look really good. And, and just overall, a guy that I hope pans out. He's a fun and dynamic player to watch. Uh, so Carolina gets him, and he's got DJ Moore, uh, Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy as weapons. Uh, so that, that's definitely super, super exciting. I love seeing new starting quarterbacks. And if, if this is the year for uh, new starting quarterbacks, uh, I should say this is the year for new starting quarterbacks with uh, Matty Ice in Indy, Wilson in Denver, uh, Mariota in Atlanta. So that's kind of a, a, the biggest surprise pick thus far would be Willis. It would be a surprise, but not really. It's just when you see a quarterback come off the board, there's a lot of red alert, red alarms going off. So um, the New York football giants back on the clock edge rusher is their next needed position. They are taking Kevon Thibodeau. They are pumping their fists. They're screaming to the clouds, excited, ecstatic that a player like Kevon Thibodeau fell right into their hands. It, it, it's not every day you get a, a, an edge rusher as talented as Thibodeau to uh, fall to you at number eight. This is a guy that I think could really be a number one or number two pick, but just because of what scouts are saying, which is, I, it pains me to say that I hate, hate hearing that like scouts say that this guy's dropping. Um, I, I think it's pretty stupid how that narrative picks up because if you watch Thibodeau play, he is a freak of nature. He had seven sacks on almost 50 tackles this year, forced two fumbles and was a little banged up during the year as well. Didn't play in all the games for the Ducks. So Thibodeau, real big uh, addition here alongside Leonard Williams in in the Big Apple. Uh, and they get a premier offensive tackle in Charles Cross and an elite-level collegiate edge rusher in Kevon Thibodeau that can really – I think will turn his play up once he hits the pros um, and, and is playing for the Giants. Um, and, and, you know, it would have been nice if he worked – if he was – with the Giants last year, if he could work with Coach Spence, who's down at uh, Florida now, great defensive line coach that was at Penn State, then uh, with the Giants and now with the Gators. But him, those two together would have been an awesome pairing. Next on the clock, Atlanta. No receiver help here. Uh, edge rush is a big hole for them. I thought Harold Landry was going to not get re-signed by the Titans and would fall into the laps of the Falcons. Um, that was no case because uh, – that was not the case – because uh, Tennessee threw the bag at Harold Landry. So, um, you know, there's really good edge rushers on the board. Like I mentioned, Carl Aftis, Jermaine Johnson, but you really need a receiver for Mariota to succeed this season with Calvin Ridley suspended and your number one guy being Jameer Bird. Um, and I, ooh, it's tough because this receiver class is so deep and there really hasn't been a number one uh, receiver in this uh, draft, it's been like solidified um, years prior. It's been like Julio Jones has been so dominant or Amari Cooper has been so dominant. That's your clear cut. Number one wide out. There are guys you can make the argument for uh, being the, the top guy. And a guy I really like that. I think they will take here um, that really came on towards the end of the season and built up a name for himself is Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks. Um, big catch radius for Burks. I mean, he stands at 6'3", 225. 
Um, had 66 grabs this year, 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns in a very stacked SEC where there was a lot of good defensive backs running around, uh, knocking the ball out of people's hands. So uh, I, I really like this pick here. You know, once Ridley comes back, paired with Kyle Pitts as well, uh, Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson, you're looking at a pretty underrated, a sneaky good offense with a lot of players that uh, are, are great improvisers. Cordero Patterson's whole career is improvising. Uh, with kick returns and playing running back and playing slot and outside receiver. Mariota's good with his feet, a smart decision maker. Um, and then you get Burks in there, just a big body along with Ridley in a year, in uh, two years. That's going to be a scary, scary sight. Number nine, Seattle Seahawks get a first round pick back through the Russell Wilson trade. This is Denver's pick, actually. Um, so some of their big needs, they need offensive tackles, definitely a big one. Quarterback as well, because Drew Locke, we've seen, is not a uh, it's not a starter. He does not have uh, what people would call a starter. Uh, he's not he does, He's not the caliber player to be a starting quarterback. Um, I was trying to think of a, a cool analogy to use, but I just absolutely blanked on it and could not figure one out. So you get that. He's not a starting quarterback. Um, but then there's also really good players left on the board. They need edge rushers. Again, I bring up Jermaine Johnson, George Carl Aftis, um, and then corner as well. You've got Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, Trent McDuffie, three guys that are still on the board that are very, very talented players. Um, but, you know, I think we see another quarterback come off the board. And I think that it is Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett, guy that was in the Heisman race, uh, very good on his feet. And a lot of these quarterbacks in this year's draft are very, very talented when it comes to getting out of the pocket, tucking it down and running. NFL is a different animal than college. But, I mean, it's still a great skill to have. Willis and Pickett are very good at doing that. And Pickett's a good athlete, makes smart decisions. Hand size was a concern. I don't give a fuck about hand size. That does not matter. Pickett is still a baller. Watch his film. The combine stresses me out. I hate the combine. And, and it, it's mostly because you get things like, oh, well, his broad jump's not that great. Or his hands are small. You watched him play. You know the player he is in big games against Wake Forest in the uh, ACC championship game. Absolutely tore them up. I mean, come on. Let's, let's be realistic here. Kenny Pickett is a baller. Number 10, the Jets are back on the clock. They have – I forget whose pick this was. Oh, oh, so this is Seattle's original pick from the Jamal Adams trade. And now with Jamal Adams playing safety, the Jets have had a vacancy up top. Kyle Hamilton falls right into their lap, and they get the their they get the best safety. I think one of the best players in this year's draft, and get two of the top five players in this year's draft, talent wise, in Kyle Hamilton, Ikem Okwono. I mean, I brought up how much I love Hamilton. That's partly because I'm a Notre Dame fan. I do have my bias. I will not deny that, but he is a hell of a player, tracking balls down, tremendous in run support. And I I'll bring it up again. I brought it up earlier. Watch that play against Florida State. Tracks from one hash to the other sideline and catches the ball like he's a wide receiver. Toe drag and everything. Picked up a 15-yard penalty for taking his helmet off. It was a badass play. I'll let it slide. Uh, in the moment, I wasn't going to let it slide because it was uh, a very tight game against the Knolls, but, you know, badass to say the least. Um, Hamilton falling there is a gift to the Jets. And it will be disappointing for me to watch one of my favorite collegiate players rot his career away 
in the Big Apple. So uh, play three years there, ball out Hamilton, then get the fuck out of New York. The Washington football team, or the commanders now, not the football team anymore, is on the clock. Receiver and corner are big, big holes for them. Uh, Sauce Gardner is the best corner in the draft. Sauce Gardner is going to the Washington Commanders. Didn't allow a touchdown at all in his career at Cincinnati. Granted, the competition wasn't great, but he still played against Alabama. Um, and two very good receivers in Mechie and Williams. So there's a lot of credit to be given to him there. Um, a hell of a player, real good instincts, a physical corner too. And his, uh, I, this is the one time the combine comes in pretty good is watching him do his DB drills. His hips look really good. Constantly staying low. The pad level never changes with uh, Sauce Gardner. And he's got an all-time great name, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Um, that, that's just top tier. That's awesome. Uh, my Minnesota Vikings are on the clock at number 12. And as much as I wanted to let Sauce Gardner slide to us, I, I'm a realist. I understand that that's not going to happen. Um, you know, b- before free agency started, Ed Rusher was a big concern for the Vikings. Uh, so I thought maybe like Jermaine Johnson, Carl Laftis, even trade up and look at Thibodeau or uh, Trayvon Walker. Um, but then you signed Zadarius Smith, DJ Wonham had a good year. You still got Patrick Jones, Daniel Hunter, if he's healthy, hell of a player. Um, then interior D-line became a little bit of a concern. You still have Dalvin Tomlinson, but Michael Pierce left. I think Sheldon Richardson's a free agent still. I could be wrong about that. But then you signed Harrison Phillips, who's a tremendous run stuffer. So interior D-line doesn't become that much of an issue anymore. Now it's corner. You re-signed Pat Pete, which is great. Now get somebody that can learn under Pat Pete. I don't know, maybe an LSU uh, guy just like uh, Patrick Peterson was. Um, So, yeah, go with Derek Stingley. Let the two LSU Tiger alum work together and just absolutely uh, tear it up. I love Stingley as a player. Saws Gardner is still my second favorite DB in the draft behind Hamilton. But uh, Stingley's a very talented guy. I think him not playing much this season really hurt his draft stock because people forget that he is really a top 10 talent in this league or in this draft, maybe top five, top seven. So him slipping here is definitely big for the Vikings and a great value pick. Uh, You know, I still say I would like Saws Gardner over him, but I will not be disappointed if – Derek Stingley Jr. falls into the hands of the Vikings so we can work with uh, Pat Pete. 13, Houston, back in the clock. This pick is from Cleveland. Uh, I mentioned before, corner again. I think we're going to see three corners come off the board. Bing, bang, boom. Trent McDuffie right to the Texans. McDuffie's a good corner, um, good fundamentally, and, you know, gets lost in the shuffle behind guys like Gardner and Stingley who get a lot of the – the limelight, but McDuffie had a real, real good season at um, University of Washington. Played against some pretty talented uh, wide receivers in the uh, the Pac-12. You know, while Washington did disappoint a little bit this year, they weren't as good. McDuffie still had 35 tackles, um, no picks, but did have a sack and defended five passes. I just his numbers aren't as great because the ball did not get thrown his way uh, too often. 14, you got the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Offensive tackle, I would have said before they signed Morgan Moses, but now it's looking like interior D-line is their biggest gap or edge rusher. 
Um, after Zadarius Smith pulled out of their trade, they did re-sign Michael Pierce, was with the Vikings for two years, then went back to Baltimore. So I think Jermaine Johnson is the pick here uh, at number 14. Um, a, a speedy edge rusher bends the edge very well um, for, for a guy his size and, and was one of the bright spots on Florida State's team. 6'5", 260 with 70 tackles and 12 sacks last year. Um, really, again, much like a Trent McDuffie gets lost in the shuffle behind very good players like uh, Walker, Th- uh, Thibodeau, and Hutchinson. 15, the Eagles had three picks in this year's first round, traded one to New Orleans for collateral down the line. Now this is their first first round pick. Uh, they do have two still. 15 overall, edge rusher is a big concern for them. Receiver has always been a concern for the Eagles. They're a terrible team when it comes to drafting wide receivers with our Sega white side and uh, Rieger. But um, I think they hit here and they go with Ohio State wide receiver Garrett Wilson. Um, again, there is no clear-cut number one wide receiver in this year's draft. I think you can make the argument for every guy being your number one. But Wilson had a very impressive year with C.J. Stroud at the helm with 70 grabs uh, just just north of 1,000 yards and 12 uh, receiving touchdowns. Um, and, you know, will we'll be a good fit with Jalen Hurts or whoever they get at quarterback because it's always been a talk that Hurts could be out as the guy in Philly, which doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, 16, New Orleans Saints on the board. This is the pick that the Eagles had, that the Eagles traded to them. Uh, another team that needs a wide receiver. I think they go with USC's Drake London, a guy that went against uh, McDuffie this season. Um, and London, another guy that kind of reminds me a little bit of Burks, big body. London, I think, is the biggest receiver in this year's draft at 6'5", 210. And he had, at that size, still caught 88 balls north of 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. So you mix all that in. And if Michael Thomas can ever get back on the field, that is one scary, scary duo for NFC South defensive backs to face uh, twice a year. That's um, along with a guy like Adam Trotman at tight end and whoever's throwing the ball, if it's Jameis, definitely not going to be Taysom or maybe another quarterback down the line could be uh, getting the ball in their hands. It's a pretty good uh, dynamic duo, especially for Burks to learn under Thomas. Uh, 17, the uh, L.A. Chargers are on the board. Offensive tackle, obviously a big a big hole for them. Uh, Brian Bulaga, I don't believe, is on the roster anymore. I can fact check that. Um, I don't know if he re-signed. So he had an injury last season. It was on IR. Um yeah, so he's no longer on the Chargers anymore. They struck gold with Rashawn Slater last year. I think they strike gold again with uh, UNI's Trevor Penning. Penning's a mean player, a guy you really don't want to face. Um, some would say borderline's on dirty as no lineman. I would say he's just a nasty, tough player. Um, you, you see his senior bowl highlights going against guys like Travis Jones, and he, he's really he's going to play through the echo of the whistle which isn't always a good thing, but, you know, I, I like the way he plays. He, he's a protector and a guy that you really want protecting your young quarterback to make sure that they stay stick around for a while. I mean, that's what L.A. did last year. They got Rashawn Slater to protect Justin Herbert. Um, Jacksonville should have been a little bit smarter and brought in a no tackle 
to protect Lawrence. They knew Lawrence was going to be their number one guy or the number one pick in the draft. You prepare to have the number one pick in the draft playing quarterback for you. 18 overall, the Philadelphia Eagles took a receiver already. Corner is a big uh, opening for them. Um, so I think they go with Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Um, coming, I think he's having surgery, um, but I read that he would be back in time for the start of. Uh, so he is having a sport underwent a sports hernia surgery, but will be back. Is expected to be back for training camp. Uh, Booth Jr., a good player that played in a pretty stacked, uh, a pretty stacked ACC this year, and still got thirty-seven tackles and three picks, which is pretty good stats for the corner. Um, and again, a very loaded class guy. The name doesn't get brought up as much as um, Sauce Gardeners or Stingleys. But this is a really good draft for the Eagles. I think they actually hit two very good players here and um, avenge some of the the poorer drafts they've had in the in the past. Uh, number nineteen, Saints. Tick tick tick. Back on the clock. We got a little bombshell time. They go with ooh. Da, 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 ba, 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 ba. Ooh, never mind. Maybe I'm wrong. So they need no tackle. Ryan, uh, Toronto Armstead's gone, but it's a reach for them to go with any O tackle here. Like a guy like uh, Raymond from uh, Central Michigan or Fiel from Minnesota. So I think they go quarterback. I think it is bombshell time. Uh, I think they take Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter, a true pocket passer, one of the few guys in this draft that isn't as good on his feet as uh, the other. Uh, the other draftees, um, but it's still got a cannon of the arm, cannon of an arm. And when I think of guys that are most pro ready, I think of him and Sam Howell. While I think Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett have the biggest upside of any of the quarterbacks in the draft, I think Ritter is your going to be your best plug and play type of player. Um, you know, it, it'll be weird because they just brought in Andy Dalton, brought back Winston Taysom Hill still on the roster, Ian Book still on the roster. So bringing Ritter will definitely stir up some quarterback controversy and really get a good battle going, a competitive one um, that Ritter could definitely win. So at 19, the Saints hopefully land their franchise quarterback. Pittsburgh Steelers really in need of an interior O-lineman, a guard. Um, that's kind of been an issue for them. But right here, I think they go with uh, a guy like Boston College's Zion. J Ooh, no, no, no. I think they go with Iowa's Tyler Linderbaum here. And I'll tell you why. Kendrick Green was not what they thought he was going to be. He was sufficient for what they wanted at center. But his arms are too short. He's just not the type of player that is going to hold down an offensive line the same way that Pouncey did. He's 6'4", 315, but has a very short wingspan. Would maybe be okay at guard if you bump him over if you want to keep him in the O-line rotation. But Linderbaum is a top talent in this year's draft. He can skip pull from the center position, tremendously light on his feet. I believe he's 6'4", around 295. He gets up to like 310 and still keeps that same quickness. It'll be like a Creed Humphrey situation. You could see the best center in the league be a rookie. Absolute shame that Creed Humphrey did not win Rookie of the Year uh, this past season. But Linderbaum's a great addition for uh, whoever is going to be playing quarterback. And I think if Desmond Ritter was still on the board, they would have taken him to be Trubisky's backup for a year and then turn into 
hopefully their starter down the line. But with him off the board, Linderbaum falls into the Steelers' lap. 21. I was at that Patriots-Bills game, the playoff game, and Dante Hightower looked not good. Van Noy was not good. Brandon King was not good. All of their linebackers were not good at all. Overrunning plays, um, missing holes, missing tackles. So linebacker is definitely going to be a key point for New England. Devin Lloyd uh, signing or getting drafted by them is the right pick. The Utah linebacker was a freak of nature this year. Just all over the field, putting up one of the most insane stat lines I've ever seen from a, a college player. 111 total tackles, eight sacks, four picks, two touchdowns, and he forced and recovered a fumble this year. Just an absolute the, – the best player for that Utah team that uh, ruffled some feathers and beat Oregon, beat a, a couple good teams this year, and he was the driving force behind that. Just an absolute hell of a player, a true dog that Bill Belichick will love to get his hands on and mold into the linebacker that he really wants to become the next Hightower or the next Jamie Collins or Van Noy. This is what the Patriots need to really rejuvenate a, an older defense. 22. Green Bay Packers are on the clock with their first pick of the, this year's draft. They also have the 28th pick in the first round. Um, wide receiver, definitely the issue for them. Um, you lose Devontae Adams and Mark uh, Valdez Scatling. You uh, are in a hole. And you, Aaron Rodgers came back. So now he really needs weapons. I think he'll call the shots on who he really wants. Uh, I think he'll, he wants Jamison Williams to uh, be that number one pass catcher um, in – uh, Green Bay. So, I mean, played with Mechie, who's a very good receiver. He did tear his ACL in the, I believe, the national championship game or the game prior. So recovery time will be a little uh, longer for him. But, I mean, when he gets back in the field, will be the clear-cut number one pass catcher in Green Bay. Uh, I mean, he caught 79 balls with Mechie and Slade Bolden around him. Had 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. Uh, just an absolute beast this season. Uh, that's a steal here because of the injury that he suffered. Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. Edge rusher, they lost Chandler Jones. Um, so they got to replace him. Uh, George Karlaftis, a guy, guy's name that's come up a handful of times, will be that guy now. Uh, you know, could pair very well with uh, Zach Allen, who kind of broke out a little bit this year. Two guys that you really want can that are you're kind of gambling on if you start both of them, but could really really work out because Allen's not on a big deal. Uh, I think he still might be on his rookie deal, and Carl Aftos will be on a rookie deal. So you could have two top. You could have a top edge rushing duo um, with two guys that aren't costing a lot of money. So I think Carl Aftos makes the most sense. Real physical player, not super, not the quickest off the edge, but a guy that's gonna just absolutely beat you down for a, a whole game. Um, which is the kind of player I like. Now, again, this is a, a case of a player getting stolen. I would have said Carl Aftis to the Cowboys had the Cardinals not taken him, but safety is a huge hole for them. Um, maybe you could see them trading up for Kyle Hamilton, but I, I don't see it. Um, so I think they take Michigan's Daxton Hill to be their, their new eye in the sky. Um, and, you know, it, it's a lot of – it's almost like the redheaded stepchild draft. There's two or three really good players, so the guys behind them get uh, get forgot about at a position. 
Um, I mean, Hill had a tremendous season, 69 tackles and two interceptions uh, with uh, eight pass breakups. You know, real good player, sound player on a, a, a tough Michigan team that was he kind of overshadowed um, by how good the edge rushing duo of David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson was. So Hill falling to them, he'll be immediately plug play start type of guy for uh, for Jerry's world, for the Jerry world team. Um, Buffalo Bills. They big need for them, I'd say, is corner and interior O line. I think Zion Johnson from Boston College is the pick. He was an All American this year um, and is a real physical guard and a physically imposing player. Um, you know that that would is terrifying to line up against. He's six three, three sixteen, and just. Moves he doesn't move as well as a guy like Tyler Linderbaum um, at center, but I mean he he's a, a pretty quick player at that size, and will be a, a great guy to pull around and lead on a lot of the powers and counters that the Bills like to run with Josh Allen. Huge pickup here that they really do uh, need on the interior, and I would have said a guy like Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt on the interior D line, but that's not a huge need for them um, after they signed. Uh, Tim Settle um, brought in Shaq Lawson, brought in Von Miller, and, and you still got, I think Lutz Laley still may be there. I could be completely wrong. But interior D-line is not a main focus for them. 26 uh, is the Tennessee Titans, and I think Mike Vrabel goes linebacker, sticking true to his favorite position, the position he played. And they take N'Kobe Dean from Georgia. Very good player, very uh, physical and was a reason that that Georgia front seven was as successful as it was. A lot of people want to credit the D line, but Nicobe Dean made a lot of those guys right. Don't I'm not bashing that D line. I mean, Jordan Davis, Devontae Walker, or uh, Devontae Wyatt, and Trayvon Walker together was an absolute uh, force to be reckoned with. Something that is terrifying. But Dean still had 72 tackles, six sacks from his inside linebacker position, and two picks this season. So. Uh, Great pick here by the Titans, and hopefully they can strike and not not miss like they uh, have in the past with a guy like Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. Um, twenty seven. Um, I, I it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and as much as I think they need other positions, um, I do think that they will go interior D line here just because it's the best available player um, will be a big help on that defense. It's already pretty good. Um, so I think Jordan Davis to the Buccaneers is a, is the pick here. He'll be great to learn and play with Vita Vey, um, along with Raheem Nunez Roaches. And then off the edge, you got Shaq Barrett still, you got Anthony Nelson. Uh, so he'll, he'll really fit in nicely into that rotation. I think kind of a steal there um, Davis. I just, don't know who could take him before that. I like I said before, Baltimore may be the team that takes him then, but or even the Chargers. But O tackle for the Chargers and edge for the Ravens seem like bigger concerns in my opinion. Twenty eight is the Packers back up on the clock, and I think they take uh, David Ajabo, a risky pick here. Ajabo recently tore his Achilles at the Michigan Pro Day, so his timetable of how long he'll be out is still. Uh, fairly uncertain, but they need an edge rusher. He could be a guy that comes back mid-season next year and makes a legitimate impact. 
alongside Aiden, or on the opposite side of Aiden Hutchinson, still had 35 tackles and 11 sacks um, and broke up three passes this year. Just an absolute beast of a player um, that, you know, if he pans out and comes back from this injury, uh, firing on all cylinders is an absolute W of a pick. Uh, so I, I like Ajabo to the Packers here at 28. Uh, next up on the clock, the Chiefs are back to back 29 and 30. Um, you know, O line wise, they're fine. They uh, ma- they made good picks on the O line last year with Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey. Um, really solidified that receiver is a blunt or a bald spot for them. Not the greatest because uh, you do lose one of the fastest receivers in the league, but you still have Juju. You still have Valdez Scatling, McCole Hardman, Josh Gordon. If he could ever stay off the weed in the words of Stephen A. Smith. Um, so I think they go uh, interior D line to add to a rotation of guys like Chris Jones and Derek and Donnie. Um, and they take Devonte Wyatt out of Georgia. The unsung hero along that defensive line is Walker Davis got Walker and Davis got a lot of the, the praise uh, Wyatt still at 6'3", 315 at 39 tackles and two and a half sacks. Um, also forcing two fumbles. Had a real good year as the third guy on that defensive line. Just proves how good that Georgia team really was. Um, now, you, you, you took your D, interior D-lineman guy that will help right away. I think you do go receiver now just with the talent that's available. And I think Chris Olave, another Ohio State wideout, comes off the board. Oh, big burp. Sorry about that. Um, Alave will fit in nicely as a second or third option right away and could immediately work his way up to be the number one guy for Pat Mahomes. I mean, alongside uh, Garrett Wilson, 65 grabs, 930 yards and 13 touchdowns. CJ Stroud was spreading the love to these guys, was getting the ball all around, and they made the most of the opportunities they got. 31, you have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, O-line, they addressed a lot of it. Lale Collins, Ted Karras, uh, Alex Kappa. Go interior again. Put Karras at center, Kappa at left guard, Kenyon Green at right guard, Lale Collins at right or left tackle, and Jonah Williams – or at right tackle, and Jonah Williams at left tackle. Hell of an O-line right there. A true rebuild, and now it's like we really want to make – I shouldn't even say rebuild, just rebuild of the old line. Um, and it really proves that you want to make a Super Bowl and make make it back to the Super Bowl and make a real run at winning it and not get your quarterback banged up the way that he did. Green, very versatile. I mentioned before when I mixed up him and Charles Cross. Again, maroon uniforms, really, those two fuck with me bad. Um, but, yeah, so him going there is a, a – Great move, especially if Karras or Kappa ever go down. He could step in right away and uh, play any of those interior positions and even a little bit of tackle. So uh, massive pick here, great value pick. Um, And then 32 overall, uh, the Lions are back up on the clock. Uh, I think they try to find their quarterback of the future here and take Ole Miss's Matt Corral. Matt Corral also coming off a – an odd lower body injury, one that um, doesn't seem to have affected him when it's come to uh, pro day and combine. Uh, still seems like he's working out and doing all right. 
So, I mean, him here is a big pick. He slid down a lot of boards. Originally in my first draft, I think I had him in, like, the top 10. He's dropped now because of Willis and Pickett and Ritter rising. So, uh, a great pick here. You get your tough-as-nails edge rusher at number two, and then your potential franchise quarterback that can compete with Jared Goff right when he steps in the building at uh, 32. So, good draft for the Giants – or the Lions in the first round. Um, but, yeah, I mean – that whole mock draft could be completely fucked by the time the draft rolls around. Who really knows? Um, which is also the most disappointing part is I could be completely right or completely wrong. Uh, the world may never know. <sighs> that was a lot. That was a lot. Um, but I still, so I finished up my top 100 movies the other day. I got a lot of shit for it. And, um, you know, I wasn't a fan of that because I, uh, specified before that it was my 100 favorite movies not the 100 greatest because if it were the 100 greatest pitch perfect and uh project x wouldn't have been on it i mean come on people let's let's get with the fucking program that's absolutely awful to think that that these are the 100 best so come me a little bit of slack um and you know the top 10 was i i would say about as controversial as my top 10 movies can be with people really caring about it. But I did get a lot more feedback than I had anticipated, which was definitely cool to see that people were following along as much as they were. Um, But so I'll actually go over my top 20. Uh, Number 20, I had Dallas Buyers Club. If you listened to last week or the last episode we dropped, um, the Oscars draft, I took Matthew McConaughey's performance for best actor. Um, I, I picked that in Dallas Buyers Club. Awesome performance by him. Jared Leto, I think, with the best role, maybe other than he was great in American Psycho and great in Fight Club, but he's tremendous in this. He plays a transgender prostitute uh, in just two awesome roles. Uh, a real emotional movie where uh, you see the the inner turmoil of just how 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 much McConaughey wants to live in this and at what like the lengths he'll go to. Great movie. 19, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I've mentioned this to people when they say, why is this on the list? Is because I went into it with very low expectations during coronavirus. It was uh, a late, like, Tuesday night. I was just up watching TV. I was like, ah, I've heard this is all right. I'll throw it on. I was blown away by how good Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was. It, I mean, it, it's uh, an awesome film, um, especially when all the different Spider-Mans come out. The little pig Spider-Man. You've got, like, the shadow Spider-Man. It, it was just an awesome movie and one that really stuck with me. I've rewatched a few times now and I still get that excited feeling whenever I watch it. it it's uh, it gives me a comfortable feeling. 18 and a watch uh, Jake Gyllenhaal playing a cop. That's uh, you know, going to community college and is recording his life on the job. Oh, sad movie, graphic movie. But if you like cop movies um, that him and his partner are cops in, uh, I believe like Compton or a different part of LA and, are pretty much going through drug busts. It's a very entertaining movie. Quick gets to the point, a lot of action. That's why I also like this one a lot, is they don't drag it out. Um, awesome movie. 17, Goodfellas. Recently watched it, so a little recency bias, but, uh, you know, the, the scene that gets me is when they're in prison and they're in the back. Hank Hill and all of them are in the back and they're making pasta. They've got this palace in there. And he comes in, he's like, yeah, the skinny guard out there is giving me shit. And, uh, they're like, oh, we're gonna have to take care of that for you. Like that, they were running that prison. It was just an awesome movie to watch. 16, Fight Club. Um, 
ultimate mind twist. Watched this for the first time, I believe, last semester college with uh, some of my friends. I was baffled. The ending's awesome when the Pixies are playing in the background. Jared Leto's great in it. A great performance by Meatloaf as well uh, in this. Um, and then Brad Pitt, Ed Norton, two tremendous actors working together. Awesome movie. Uh, very entertaining from start to finish. 15, Dazed and Confused. Uh, fun, fun movie to watch. And, you know, there really isn't any conflict in the movie, which I think is always – it's fine as long as a movie does it right, and they do it perfectly right. It's about – Kids just hanging out, having a good time, um, getting ready for summer pretty much. And I think that's why I love it so much. It's just a relaxing movie, but a very entertaining one. And a tremendous Matthew McConaughey performance as the weird older guy that hangs out with high school kids. 14, the highest ranked sports movie on the list was Vision Quest. You know, again, this goes back that these aren't the best movies. These are my favorite. Vision Quest is a cheesy wrestling, high school wrestling movie. Uh, that's just absolutely awesome. Like I love, I love everything about vision quest. I love the coach wearing a singlet with a golf shirt under it. I love the storyline of wanting to go after shoot and that pretty much being who you're chasing after. Um, I, I love the storyline with the girl and it. It, it's a, an amazing film that I recommend to anybody as any high school wrestler or wrestler in general watch, but any athlete watch, it's a, a great movie that really like, when you get so infatuated on something, you want to chase after it and want to beat it or get it or, or just break it. You want to break through something. It's what you're trying to get. 13, super bad. I think this might be the highest ranked technically comedy. Uh, You know, this is one I throw it on. I can watch it at any point in the movie and I'll find a funny part. It's this movie was a staple at sleepovers in high school. It was like, oh, let's watch Superbad. Or Superbad was always on Comedy Central. So we'd watch that. So I also have great nostalgic memories wrapped up into this hilarious comedy. But, I mean, Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah, Seth Rogen in it, just awesome. Uh, and McLovin is a staple nowadays, too. It's something that people never forget about. Number 12, Jesse Eisenberg, a Michael Sarah lookalike. In The Social Network, uh, awesome movie. Um, especially the, the, the most powerful scene easily when Andrew Garfield comes in and not even when he slams laptop, but when he's like, lawyer up asshole, I'm coming. I'm not coming back for half. I'm coming for all of it. And just, Oh my God, just an electric scene all time. Great scene. Um, and and I, I do like the way it's shot, how it's from two different, um, depositions, I think is very cool. Uh, one with the Winklevoss and then one's with one with the, uh, with Andrew Garfield's character, Eduardo Saffron. American Psycho at 11. Uh, you know, I'd like to see Paul Allen. Let, let's see Paul Allen's movie rankings. Uh, little little uh, Bateman impression there. Um, great movie. Just the ultimate bro. Uh, it, it's, it's a bro movie, but it's an awesome one. It, it's fun to watch. Uh, especially, I, I think one of the best scenes is when Bateman, or uh, Christian, yeah, Patrick Bateman pretty much gets broken when his coworker hits on him and tries to make like an advance on him, he like snaps. I think that was like the unwinding of Patrick Bateman in this movie was he just freaked out. And that's when he went on his um, real mental, mental uh, rampage. And I still don't understand how it wasn't real, how he did none of this. Um, It's going to take a couple more rewatches of it, but I, I absolutely loved American psycho. Number 10. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not leaving. Uh, Wolf of wall street. Uh, 
greatest, I think one of the best Leo performances, a great Jonah Hill performance. Margot Robbie is a smoke show in it, absolute rocket. Again, a bro movie. I like the bro movies. They're entertaining. Uh, so for this to make it, not much of a surprise. And, and you know, another great performance that is Kyle Chandler as the uh, FBI agent in it. And when he tries to bribe him and the scene where it shows at the end where Chandler's still riding the subway homes, I think a very cool and a, I wouldn't say powerful, but just an interesting scene to add in because he, when uh, Jordan Belfort tried to bribe him, pretty much like, yeah, you don't want to ride the subway home anymore. Uh, so yeah, number 10, Wolf of Wall Street. Number nine, I was born in the darkness, Batman. You were merely molded by it. The Dark Knight Rises comes in at number nine. Uh, the highest rated superhero movie. The one regret I do have from the list is that the Dark Knight was not higher. I think I had it at 51. I rewatched it. It definitely should be higher. That's a fuck up on my part. I have a handful of movies that I did miss, like uh, The Departed, Full Metal Jacket, Zero Dark Thirty, um, Revenge of the Sith. But yeah, that or, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. But definitely a miss on my part, not having The Dark Knight higher. Uh, but the Dark Knight Rises is awesome. Bane's an all-time villain. Um, Raza, the storyline leading up with Raza Gould too, as um, in that is pretty awesome. And I, I like how Batman is wanted in this. Like he is the criminal of the city. I think it's a cool dynamic to add to it. Number eight, American Beauty, a film that really didn't hold up at the time, still does not holds up less now with Kevin Spacey being an absolute creep. Um, it's about a guy wanting to um, have sex with his high school daughter's friend. Uh, it, it's a weird, a weird movie, but just a really entertaining one. It's Spacey kind of just going through life where he's just dragged down. He's, he's nagged by his boss, nagged by his wife, nagged by his daughter. And then he just goes into full, like, I don't care mode. And I loved watching him go through that where he started smoking weed. He started working out. He left his job, got a six severance package by blackmailing the company and works at a burger place. Now, like it's an awesome movie with a, a twist ending that I will not reveal because it is baffling. Seven, another recency bias one, but a, a tremendous Western, my favorite Western probably of all time now. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Um, you know, there were scenes in this movie where I legitimately wanted to vomit, uh, especially the one where Josh Brolin realized there's the tracker on the money and Anton is, you see Anton's feet go right in front of the door, then leave, then return. And then he shoots the metal thing right through the door and they're fighting in the street. Like that whole suspense leading up to it. I was on the edge of the couch, just like my stomach in an absolute knot. It was an awesome scene. Awesome movie. A uh, lot of action. And Anton is one of the most intimidating villains of all time. Number six, Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler. Uh, you know, one that I think was mixed. A lot of my friends don't like Nightcrawler, but it's an entertaining one because when I look at Jake Gyllenhaal's performances through the movies he's done, Lewis Bloom in Nightcrawler is the most evil character he's ever played. In Zodiac, when he played Robert Graysmith, Graysmith became infatuated by finding out who the Zodiac was, but he wanted to do good. Lewis Bloom in the Nightcrawler wanted to wreak havoc. He had no remorse. His, his, his partner gets killed. No remorse. He, he sabotaged another film crew. No remorse. Blackmails the, the, the news anchor or the, the woman working at the news station to having sex with him. No remorse. He was a scary person where it was like that glazed over to look. And I think that's also why Hall is one of the best actors 
of the, the past 30, 40 years is because he plays a role like this and really gets into character. Number five, Jake Gyllenhaal, again, prisoners. Um, Paul Dano, great. And a lot of people are falling in love with Paul Dano. Now I fell in love with Paul Dano when I watched prisoners. Uh, he was great as the Riddler, but I think even better in this where he plays, he's kind of mute. He's like an autistic um, recluse where you really find out what happened to him. You, you, you feel bad for him, but through the whole movie, you, you don't feel bad for him. Um, Hugh Jackman has probably his all-time greatest performance and Gyllenhaal, another great performance. A real thriller, another one that edge of your seat, you want to vomit in some scenes because you don't know what's – or you know what's going to happen, but you're just waiting for it to. Number four, I think the all-time bro movie that you sit down with your friends on like a Friday if you're hanging out and you're flipping through the TV and it's on, you keep it on until the end no matter at what part, the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Just an all-time film. Great – I think – one of the greatest movies to ever have existed. Uh, you've got Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman in it. And the look that the, the scene that stands out that I always remember, uh, of course, crawl, crawling through a uh, mile of shit, but the look on the warden's face when he's looking through the hole and he's just baffled. And then he goes and he, he kills himself after uh, it is jarring, but awesome. And just, Oh, I love Shawshank. Number three, Zodiac, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr. Um, based on a true story about the Zodiac killer. Uh, and I, th- it's a slow movie. The pacing is a little bit slower. But I, like I said before, thrillers and like detective-ish movies are my favorite. And watching Gyllenhaal's character, Graysmith, go absolutely insane while he searches for the Zodiac killer is the most uh, my probably my favorite part of it is because he pretty much pushes his family and kids away, um, and just absorb this absorbs his entire life. Uh, just an awesome movie. I, I recommend watching it if you have three hours. Number two, I had a lot of shit for this one. Whiplash. Whiplash is the perfect movie. Short, gets to the point, intense, shows has a lot of emotion in it. And it's got two great actors in J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller. You watch Miles Teller go through hell, absolute hell with J.K. Simmons and eventually triumph. But I, I do want to bring back, like, it's not a long movie because Whiplash doesn't need to be a long movie. They knew when to cut it short and knew how to get everything into it but not make it feel jam-packed and rushed. It's I think Whiplash is the perfect film. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I don't want to give really anything away because it's – tremendous movie and then number one was seven uh brad pitt morgan freeman kevin spacey came out 1995 my all-time favorite movie because there's still scenes in that again it comes back to where you want to throw up your stomach's in such a knot watching some of these things occur in a movie that you just get sick you're watching it you're you're kind of freaking out especially the what's in the box scene if you don't know what's in the box go watch it because um it's an all-time scene and the other seven deadly sins part of it is very interesting. It's almost demonic the way that uh, the the bad guy in this movie works. So definitely go watch seven. But those are my top 20 favorite movies that I ranked. Next up on the docket, I'm going to take a little time to work on this one to make sure I, I get my 100 favorite albums correct. This one's going to be a lot tougher because there's a lot of categories of music that I like. I'm not... Uh, strict to just watching listening to rap or uh, rock 
I, I have a lot. And I think when you look at your favorite album, you also have to think like, what was the impact that this album had? Um, how much do you re-listen to it? Um, how, are there skips? Like how many skips? Are there no skips on this album? That's a big thing that uh, you have to take into consideration. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll keep the pod updated. I, I post the rankings, of course, on my story and on Twitter. Follow me at Fresh Legs Diaz on both accounts if you would like to see all of those continued. But, um, oh, one last thing, Masters this week. Um, I, I did write a nice article, I think. My dad told me it was a nice article, so you know it was a good one. Um, about the Masters dinner, the Champions dinner. Hideki Matsuyama is the first Japanese player to win the, the Masters. So he rolled out sashimi, sushi, um, ka, or uh, miso, I think it was miso cod or miso basted cod. I don't know. It was a fish. And then uh, what wagyu along with um, Japanese strawberry shortcake, which sounded pretty, pretty good. Uh, I won't lie. It sounded real, real good. Um, but I'll go through who I like to, to win the masters this year. Um, the odds are out, especially I'm taping this a day before the, the Masters start. I'm on the Wednesday. Um, I really like my three guys. I like Will Zalatoris at plus, uh, 2,800. Um, he's been playing pretty well. Mont- I like Matsuyama, but he's been battling a neck injury. Uh, as of late, that I, it does concern me a, a bit. Um, I like so I've got Zalatoris. I like Daniel Berger, the the janitor, one of the janitors here at MMA, told me about Berger. Um, and I looked into it, and I really like his odds at plus four thousand. That's another guy I, I'm definitely gonna keep the eye on. I love Tony Finau. I hope he can close at plus 5,000. would be awesome to watch. Um, you know, it would be great to see him pick up a win here at the Masters. And then my final pick is a guy that recently announced he would be playing in the Masters. I'm trying to find his odds. Tiger Woods is as, as the same as Berger, both plus 4,000. If Tiger plays at Augusta, you have to at least consider him. Um, a, a, a real possibility to make the cut and then to really compete on Sunday when he's rocking red. Um, so, yeah, so Will Zalator's at plus 2,800, uh, Tiger at plus 4,000, Daniel Berger at plus 4,000 to win the Masters. Um, but other than that, I appreciate you guys tuning in for a solo show. I have done in a while. I had a great time. I love the draft. Uh, love talking about my movies. Love talking about uh, uh, the Masters. I know I didn't do too much on it, but uh, – yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is part of the Student Union Sports Network. Follow us on social media at My Parents Office on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. My Parents Office Podcast on Facebook. And articles from the office on Substack. Still, one blog a day. I'm still keeping up. I'm still doing it, baby. One blog a day. Let's go. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'm fine as hell, why lie? Stuck on you for years before I knew how to drive. By the time I